Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Locked On Clippers. I'm your host, Lucas Han. Today is Monday, February 27th. Um, this is our first episode of the week. We're here Monday through Friday, every day, normally in the mornings, talking about Clippers. Um, so if you like the show, show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. We're going to have a little bit of a briefer episode today, um, talking about the Clippers' win over the Charlotte Hornets last night, Sunday night in Los Angeles. Um... I'm a little under the weather. I haven't had a great um haven't had a great weekend health-wise, but I'm going to try to do a short episode today. I contemplated not doing an episode, but I kind of want to talk about the Charlotte game. So I figure we'll see how it goes and if my voice quits on me partway through, then you know, I guess that's that's where we'll call it an episode. Um but I want to get into this Charlotte game. The Clippers won in overtime. They won 124 to 121 and um, I'm sure if you check the, the Charlotte side of the internet, there's going to be a lot of controversy about the officiating. There were quite a few questionable calls, um, and it seemed like the Clippers tended to get the benefit of them. I mean, during the course of the game, Charlotte, which was already injured in the front court, ended up with six fouls on Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, fouled out of the game in the fourth. Six fouls on Frank Kaminsky, fouled out of the game in the fourth, and then... Marvin Williams, their only other, you know, their other front court starter, basically had um, five fouls. So, that I mean, that definitely helped the Clippers down the stretch in a close game. Um, and in overtime, having this team that already has some injuries in the front court now be missing two more of its of its starters. You know, Frank Kaminsky is an injury fill-in, but Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is the normal starter. And both of them leaving the game in the fourth definitely gave the Clippers an edge late in the game and then going into overtime. Um, now, this was a was an interesting game of, of runs. Um, I know, you know, basketball is a game of runs, and it's something that that's like a common saying. And it's true, really, because um, you're always going to ha- have one stretch of the game where you play better than your opponent, and you're always going to have one stretch of the game where you play worse than your opponent. And sometimes it's more than one stretch, but... You're always going to have at least one run, and you're always going to be on the wrong side of at least.
shots, can you get a bucket and a stop to kind of end the run? Or when they hit a couple big shots, are you going to crumble and let them keep extending that their lead, um, keep that momentum going? That's something that the Warriors are so good at, maybe better than any other team I've ever seen, is that when they spark a run, you know, they get a momentum play. They get a steal and a fast break dunk, and then another steal and hit a three, and it's like a quick 5-0 run in 20 seconds, and the other team just crumbles. And then it quickly becomes a 19-2 run and a 27-6 run, and the game's over. You know, what, what was a close game is now a 20-point game, and it's over. The, the Warriors do that really well. Um, But so, tonight was a game of runs, and the Clippers built a nice lead in the first quarter. The bench totally threw it away. And then the starters built a nice lead early in the third quarter. I think they went up like 15 points just in the first few minutes of um, of that third quarter. And then, no, I think it was 17. And then they blew that entire 17-point lead till the game became tied at 69-69, which is like even the starters blew their own lead. And then they built up a little buffer again, and then the, ble- the bench blew it again. And then even in the fourth when the Clippers managed to be up by five by five points like within the last minute they let just a quick spark by Charlotte tie the game and force overtime so it was definitely um definitely a weird game of runs and I think kind of the factors that led to this game being weird you know um shooting from Charlotte the weird bench from the Clippers Chris Paul had a really weird night Blake Griffin had an amazing night um but we'll get into all of that in the second half of the episode for a second, I want to look briefly now to the Clippers' next game, which is on Wednesday. Um, obviously, the game carries a lot of ramifications. It's a, an ESPN night game against the Houston Rockets, who are ahead of the Clippers in the standings. Um, the Clippers currently sit five losses behind the Rockets. I've gone over this before. There's two head-to-head games left. The Rockets play the Warriors twice. So if those break your way... You're one loss behind the Rockets in all the other games of the season. And you have the tiebreaker if you're able to pull even. So the Clippers are in a position where they can get hot. And if Houston stumbles at all, they'll be able to catch them. Um, It's definitely a long shot. But right now that door is still open. If the Clippers win on Wednesday, the door is even wider open. If they lose on Wednesday, it's pretty much slammed shut and it's time to start thinking about the 6 or 7 seed. But that that's what makes Houston's matchup a big game. Um, and really it's, you know, it could be, could be like the defining game of the season. And what's nice is that it's at home. I believe the other game late in the season against Houston is at home too. Um, the Clippers actually, because they had this big 10 out of 11 on the road, in Houston, or 10 out of 11 on the road right before the All-Star break, excuse me, um, they have a lot of home games down this backstretch. Yeah, the, I just checked the other game versus Houston is at Staples Center. So they've got a lot of home games down the backstretch. Now they're finally healthy for the first time in the season. Um, now, if you want to catch one of those games, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process. And it's hard to find the best deal for the game that you want to go to. And none of the other ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. 
I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I used it just the other day to look for tickets to a college basketball game near me here in New York. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money. Best of all is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code, enter promo code LOCLIPPERS, and LOCLIPPERS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOCLIPPERS today. Now, getting back to the Charlotte game, because we're going to have time to talk about Houston, that Houston game a little bit more on Wednesday as the Clippers, you know, get ready for that since the Clippers don't have a game in between now and Wednesday. Um, I want to talk about some of the factors that, that I listed there at the beginning of the show about this Charlotte game. The first being, obviously with the runs, you know, you don't blow a 17-point lead in a few minutes because the other team played well. You, you know, they, Charlotte made shots and they played well, but the Clippers had lapses. The bench was abysmal in the first half, blowing that lead, and really they were abysmal all game. And the starters had that huge lapse in the um, in the third quarter, and that's what opened the window for Charlotte. Other than those few big lapses, now even with those lapses. Kemba Walker, 6 of 10. Those two guys combining for 14 made threes in the backcourt and a total of 75 points. That, that like just floated Charlotte's offense that you know wasn't great, but they made so many threes it didn't really matter that they weren't great. Um, the other thing worth noting is Charlotte was 27 of 30 from the free throw line. The Clippers were 24 of 34. So the Clippers shot four more three free throws but made three less. Charlotte shot 90%. The Clippers shot 70%. If the Clippers had shot the same rate at the line as Charlotte, they would have had a two-possession lead when the final horn sounded instead of it being tied. And, you know, the the final couple minutes of the game play out differently, obviously, if the Clippers have those six extra points, but it matters. It matters a lot. Um, Blake Griffin missed free throws down the stretch. Chris Paul missed free throws down the stretch. J.J. Redick missed a free throw in the fourth quarter. Some really uncharacteristic... Um, you know, Blake was so good in the last game, and then 10 of 16 from the line tonight isn't horrible, but it's bad. Um, and then, you know, you got to blame at least one of those misses on the Clippers color commentator, Mike Smith, because with, tw- um, with 20 seconds left in overtime and the Clippers up by one, Blake Griffin had just made his first free throw, breaking the tie. The Clippers go up by one. He's waiting to shoot a second free throw, and Mike Smith goes, you know, Blake has had some misses tonight, but he was 10 of 11 from last night. That puts him at 20 of 24 overall in the last two games. So you've got you to feel pretty good about this last shot. Well, Blake missed it. Classic broadcaster jinx. Um, so that one's all on Mike Smith. That's on you, man. Um, it's all good, though. Clippers won. <laughs> but, um, you know, don't do it again. That broadcaster jinx is real business, all right? Um, and then... Blake, you know, aside from those missed free throws, had a tremendous game. He had 43 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. 
One of his steals was this huge momentum-swinging steal late in the fourth quarter that helped the Clippers build that five-point lead that they then blew. Um, and he was big down the stretch and in overtime. And the Clippers, it was funny, um, the overtime score ended up finishing 11-8. to In that five-minute period, the Clippers won 11-8. to But I'm pretty sure through the first three minutes, the Clippers were, were only up 2-0. So it was actually... 9-8 to eight in the last two minutes and 2-0 in the first three minutes, that only bucket was from Blake. So, you know, whatever it's worth. It's interesting to me because it's always been a narrative through Blake's career that he doesn't produce in fourth quarters. And when I say narrative, um, a lot of times we say, you know, oh, well, there's a, this narrative that Blake can only dunk, but obviously he's a skilled offensive player. The fourth quarter thing is real. He freezes up. His numbers go way down compared to other quarters. We've seen him have turnovers. We've seen him shy away from from the ball, shy away from taking late shots. But in the last few games, he hasn't done that. Um, I'm pretty sure he had a huge fourth quarter against the Spurs, even as the Clippers weren't able to complete their comeback. I think he had 11 points in the fourth. And then he had a huge fourth quarter in overtime today. I don't know what, um, how many points exactly he had in the fourth, but he was the guy they were going to. And... He showed kind of an interesting contrast tonight. You know, the Clippers were really successful last year when Blake Griffin was hurt because they were able to maximize DeAndre Jordan more by spacing the floor around him with a stretch four. And obviously, you're a better team when Blake Griffin is on the court, but that stretch four next to DeAndre was a really interesting idea. And I think it's, you know, I really wish the Clippers staggered more this year between Blake and DeAndre so that we could see that floor spaced around DJ whenever Blake is on the bench and then put Blake in with Mo Spates and let Mo Spates space the floor around Blake. Um, you've got two elite role guys on the pick and roll. It seems like you would stagger them, but maybe maybe that's coming in the playoffs. I don't know. Um, but we saw Blake tonight kind of go back and forth from being a ridiculous isolation offensive player, um, you know, going in the post, driving the ball, whatever he had to do, and then stepping into the corner and spacing the floor for DeAndre Jordan. He hit three three-pointers in the game. One of them was in the fourth quarter when they actually put Blake in the corner, ran a high pick and roll with Chris and DJ. The defense sagged in. Chris kicked it out to Blake, and it was a bad pass. He caught, reached down, caught it at his left ankle, pulled it all the way up, and nailed the three. So that was like a big-time bucket for a guy who has always struggled in the fourth quarter, and isn't a great shooter. Um, that was pretty remarkable. Now, last thing I want to mention is how... ...first month as a Clipper. Um, maybe I'll, I might go look at, at some of the numbers on, on that. It was definitely his worst month of the season by far. He struggled shooting the ball from the field, from deep, pretty much everything he struggled. Game by game, seemed like he didn't really have good games and bad games. It was like bad game, bad game, bad game. Um, he had a good game tonight. 22 points, the Clippers' number two scorer, really fueled their offense in the first half. And it was a big deal to get J.J. Redick going because no one, not, no one besides Blake, DeAndre, and J.J. really contributed offensively. Um, I mean, Chris Paul was tremendous with 17 assists, but he was only 4 of 18 from the field for 15 points. 
So he still had a, a really great, well-rounded game. 15 points, 17 assists, 9 rebounds, and like a ridiculous zero turnover line in 41 minutes. But he didn't score effectively. 15 points on 4 of 18 from the field. And off the bench, the only player who shot 50% was Allen Anderson, 1 of 2. No one else shot above 40% on the bench. Um, I think they combined to shoot 5 for 21 on the bench and 1 of 14 from deep. So if you were saying, you know, oh, J.J. Redick has lost it. Let's, you know, it's time to move him to the bench, start Austin Rivers. Well, not so fast. Um, J.J. had a bad month. He was slumping. But like, you know, as we can obviously see from tonight's game, J.J. had a great night tonight and Austin didn't. 2 of 8 from the field, 5 points, and 5 fouls. Minus 12 in 20 minutes. That's not a very good game. Um, now, does that mean that Austin shouldn't maybe be playing more when J.J. is cold? I think in the last game versus the Spurs, when Austin Rivers was tremendously good and J.J. Redick was struggling, Austin probably should have been closing the game over J.J. It didn't really make sense that J.J. had a lot more minutes. But tonight, J.J. showed why he's the starter. Um, and it's because... No one is going to accent Chris Paul and have the gravity coming off of screens and space the floor and really score as efficiently as J.J. is over a larger sample size. And I think, I really think it's better for Austin Rivers too because I think he's better off the bench when he can get more touches, play against reserves, and kind of a more free-flowing style of basketball. And then if he's hot, I would bring him in at shooting yard to close games um, if J.J. is struggling. Doc still went offense-defense with Austin in for JJ at the end of tonight's game. But yeah, I don't, th I think the calls for Austin Rivers to start and, you know, people are like, Oh, JJ Reddick sucks. He's old. It's over. Like you're overreacting to, to a few cold games. Um, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. I'm ready to go to bed. Um, you know, I, I record the night before, so it's actually a little after 1am here in New York. And, I'm going to knock out. Um, so on Wednesday, we're going to talk about the Clippers' big game against Houston, break down the matchups, we'll get to the schedule, all that good stuff, because I've been eyeing that game for like three months as one of the biggest games of the season. Um, but then tomorrow, we've got a little more freedom. Tomorrow is Tuesday's episode. Um, I might go back and talk about the Clippers' game on Friday against San Antonio, because obviously we haven't had an episode to discuss that. But we've also got a little bit of flexibility here. Um, with Tuesday's episode. So if you have anything in particular that you want, you know, that, that you want to hear about, that you want in the conversation that you think we should discuss, let me know. Um, as always, the way to contact me is to tweet me at LucasJHan. Email me, lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. Um, if you just want to talk Clippers, you can tweet at ClipsNationSBN, where myself or one of the other ClipsNation editors can reply to you. And... You can always read my work at ClipsNation.com, and you can like ClipsNation on Facebook by just typing ClipsNation into the Facebook search bar. And that way you can find my live videos too, which I do intermittently, which are, um, which are fun. So with all that said, um, thanks for listening. If you like the show, please leave a good review on iTunes. Please don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. This is Lucas Hand signing off for Locked on Clippers. We'll